Yeah, we getting it done. Shout out. Yeah, we getting it done. Shout out to Jamaica. You number one. Welcome to another episode of Wait Again Minute Podcast. Today is Thursday, April the 22nd, 2021. Today we have a very, very um, exciting, well, informative topic. We will be speaking with Mr. Brandon Randleman. Um, he's a political activist. But I'm not going to talk too much about him. Brandon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Brandon Randleman. I am a native of Windsor, Virginia, a graduate of Virginia State University, Trojan to the heart, where I bleed orange and blue. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I am a political activist and also uh, work in uh, uh, politics on the policy side and campaign side as well. Uh, I guess at this point, it's, uh, say, civil rights activists too, because it sounds like we're we're all out here for the long run fighting for our civil rights. So uh, so that's that's me, short and sweet and simple. I'm a man of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. I'm also a Mason as well. So I'm active in social organizations and and uh, the different other organizations around the community. So, so you in a whole lot of I'm in a social whole lot of stuff. <laughs> activities and things for the community. You do a lot yes. of social events or whatever for the community. Right? Of course, yeah. Um, and I just I'm a firm believer in giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything we do is whenever I join something is what can we do to give back to someone, give back to the community, help someone else, right? Help build someone else up. Right. Um, the best way I always remember is if, if, as you climb the ladder of success, mm-hmm. make sure you pull, pull someone, someone else, else behind up. you. So, That's correct. So I join different things, not just just because the pad my resume, but it's to be active in the community and help someone else. Yeah. Okay, so you're an activist. Yes. Uh, one of our top activists, you would say, would you consider yourself <laughs> like? Say, you know, I, I would say there. I would say I, I'm the top. I, we it's it's a bunch of us out here. Yeah. <laughs> we all work together, right? right. So mm-hmm. uh, I work with individuals out of Portsmouth, mm-hmm. Norfolk, Virginia Beach. Um, I've had the opportunity to work on a lot of campaigns and get a lot of individuals uh, elected. To a higher office. Okay. Um, my my job is we find good people mm-hmm. and we run their campaigns and we get them elected to office. Why is that? Because if you really want to make a change, you got to have the right people in higher right. office, either it, on the you local, do. state, and federal level. Okay. So we worked on campaigns from school board, mayor, city council, mm-hmm. the state senator, the state delegate, to Congress. Okay. Uh, I participated in all these type of campaigns, whether it's managing, consultant, um, working in the field operations to get uh, these individuals elected to higher Oh, office. that's awesome. And then when we have an issue, mm-hmm. uh, it's a phone call away to say, okay, I just received a call about this issue in your oh. city. Let me call the mayor. Let me call so the city So it's basically like a, I help you. Because I need you to get in this position, so right. when I need you, you're there. And it's not even so much of when I need you; it's when right. the community well, you know, needs you, right? Right, and like right, right. People, correct. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. And, and to me, I don't. Uh, you know, some may say that's quid pro quo. No, no, that's not. That's you ask the people to come out and right. vote for you, and they may not have the access to you that I do. So therefore, if they come to me with an mm-hmm. issue, my job is to reach back out to you and say, "Hey, you know, we ran a strong campaign. You gave these uh, the citizens your words. So right. Therefore, we you have to answer to." Them. And that exactly. is holding, it's that accountability part. It's right. that accountability. Right. Part. So, what led you 
to doing, <laughs> you know, activism or, right. you know, all these different social community? Uh, I, I would say I started off. So when I was at Windsor, I remember I couldn't even vote for President Obama. His first uh, term he ran and we were out there passing out literature for him. But um, I would say Virginia State is where it really got to start at. Mm-hmm. Um, by Virginia State being a public school and we had, I think at that time, we was reaching about six or seven thousand students. When I got there and I started running for student government and would eventually become the student body president for the entire university, I realized it wasn't like a student council from high school, right? Where you're talking about prom mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. We were dealing with real issues. We were raising money for students, well, dealing with financial aid, dealing with housing on campus, dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, food and administrative services, and also having to lobby the state and federal government on behalf of our African American students there. So I realized they would come to me and say, look, I got a problem. And we would, our team would come together and we would figure out how to fix it. And I'm like, oh, I like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone has an issue. We have the tools and the resources to come together and fix it. And that's just how it started. And just kept going from there. Started working on local campaigns and state campaigns and federal campaigns. And uh, worked up in the General Assembly, which is the body that makes state laws that all, that many of us often have to um, live our daily, uh, day, daily lives by. So mm-hmm. that's how I got started in this activism okay. role. So Brandon, when you say when you say team, how many how many exactly how many people are on your team? So um, right now, if my company, I own a company called MB Strategies. It's a consultant firm for government uh, for individuals seeking uh, to uh, run for higher office. But we also uh, we also give advice and counsel to individuals that have been elected and now are mm-hmm. government officials. Um, so my firm itself, I'm the sole owner of the firm. We do a lot of subcontracting. So it just depends on what I'm being um, tasked with or what people have retained me for. And then that's what um, depends. So I work with Kim Wimbush, uh, who does a lot of media work for us um, as well. I work with the uh, NAACP out of Portsmouth, NAACP out of uh, Windsor. Out of Windsor, uh, I worked for City Council uh, City Council uh, woman uh, Sabrina Wooten out of Virginia Beach. Uh, I worked for school board candidates in Portsmouth, and uh, done some work with uh, Mayor Kenny Alexander out of Norfolk. So it just really depends when they call me, depends on what they're asking of me, and then that's when I get with my team and say, okay, is it field operations? I have this, you know, this individual I can count on, and we just do a lot of subcontracting work. And the thing is. What I love is a lot of people I work with are African Americans, and they own their own business in their in their own right. right. So it's a bunch, right, it's right. a lot of Afri- young African Americans. We all own our own consulting firms, right. and then we just all utilize each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Kim. Um, she was working with uh, now former NFL player, now Chesapeake City Councilman Don Carey mm-hmm. out of Chesapeake. And he was looking for some campaign consulting work. She was doing his media. She calls him and say, hey, Brandon, look, she tells Don, he's a good, he's a good guy. Brandon, come on board with us. And, um, and so that's what I did. So it's, it's just really like a word of mouth thing. You know, you do good at what you, you're good at what you do. And, you know, people go out there and speak highly of you. And that's how you get the next, you know, the next okay, gig. Okay. Now I know you mentioned, um, you work alongside the NAACP, so you're not a member? I am, yeah, but so okay. I'm a member of the Suffolk so chapter. Okay. Uh, I am a member of the Suffolk chapter, um, but if there's an issue, 
elsewhere. It, to me, it's like we're all brothers and sisters, right? Um, and it's all about the numbers. It's not sometimes about being in the, in the spotlight or in the microphone. It's about when my brothers and sisters in Portsmouth are going through something like they did in the summertime with the whole statue thing. And mm -hmm. some of them were arrested and had those mm -hmm. crazy charges brought against them right. over a statue. It's like, okay, I, I need to be out there to support them. I don't necessarily need to be on the bullhorn or in the front right. spotlight, but I need to, we need to show them that they have that public support. So, okay, we're going to get in our cars and we're going to Portsmouth. Uh, we're going to Windsor. And then at times, yes, it is. They say, Brandon, can you come and serve as our spokesperson or something of that nature? So, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, Brandon, I understand, um, you know, you're a guy that wears many hats. Um, however, what brings you here today? Uh, so today uh, we are here to talk about the now national, if not international, story that happened in a little small town called Windsor, Virginia, uh, with uh, Army Lieutenant Karan Nazario, in which he was stopped um, by police um, on December the 5th of 2020. And a simple stop over tinted windows and a license plates being in a different location in his, um, on his car uh, turned out where guns were drawn. Uh, he was taunted uh, by um, outrageous statements by the police. He was pepper sprayed and they physically detained him. Let me repeat this. Okay. A simple stop mm -hmm. over a tinted window and and a license plates in a different location. I won't say the wrong location. In a different location on the vehicle resulted in guns being drawn, mm -hmm. pepper spray and physical detainment. That's a lot. For That's, a simple stop. That is a lot. I think we probably stop. all got, I got tinted windows, you know, yeah. I got a little sports car, mm -hmm. and I got a nice tinted window, I like my tint, I like my sound, okay? Right. The typical black person, we like our tint, we like our sound, right? <laughs> right, so I can roll up on the state capitol and got my music bumping. It might be Biggie Smalls, and, uh, or it might be uh, Donnie McClurkin, but we, but we bumping, right? right. <laughs> so, so and, that, and that's the way it started. It really started from tinted windows mm -hmm. and the license place. And, and, and let's, before we get into the license place, just, just remember, at the time we were still in COVID and the governor had signed executive order stating extending periods for people right. to get their license and things straight right. when it came down to DMV license plates and, and things yeah. of that nature. Right. Why is that? Because we were in COVID and the DMVs were not open. So, exactly. And, so, and we'll get into that in a second when we talk about training of officers because they should have known that they should know that. leading up to the stop yeah they weren't supposed to um really stop for any traffic violations during that time something. Right? Oh, and here's the thing they could stop you know if someone's speeding right. if they think someone's something doing dangerous. something right dangerous but um tenant windows and your license plates being in a different location now okay you're gonna have to fill me in yes. on a lot of it because i just know a little bit i couldn't quite get it now i know it's supposed to be in that night so they stopped him for tinted windows. Was his windows that dark that they was able to tell, like, hey, your your tent is super dark and it was at night? Because I know at one point he was supposed to have been driving till he got to a lit area. So that kind of let me know that it was pretty dark. Did it was. So it was the winter time. 460 is the country. 460 is the country. There's no other way of putting right. it. It is the winter time and at around the 6 o'clock hour, I want to okay. say, um, the sun is fell. It's dark now. Mm -hmm. And you're coming through Route 460 now. Um, I'm familiar with 460 because I went to Virginia State. So for four years, I drove back and forth up that yeah. highway. So I remember just having little landmarks in the back of my head knowing where I can stop at at a certain yeah. time where I feel safe at, right? Um, where if I need to get some gas or something of that nature. So in Windsor, most people know you have the BP, the Dairy Queen is really that if nobody knows anything yeah. about Windsor, they know, they know the Dairy Queen, right? right? So of course, if he would have kept going towards the Dairy Queen, 
I guess they would have had the army out there after. <laughs> so, you know, so, right, you know, they would have had the military out there, uh, the fans or whomever. So, in this case, um, the car, uh, the, the cops uh, flash their lights at him and he slows down mm-hmm. instantly. Uh, he's already going below the speed limit. So, they're not stopping him for speed. Right. Uh, and so, they're trying to use this notion that, oh, we're a speed trap. Well, in this case, he wasn't stopped for speed. So why else was he stopped? Well, the media, well, we had a press conference yesterday and it's because it's racial bias. It's racially biased. Um, you see uh, a, a SUV coming into the town of Windsor with tinted windows. We know what time it is, right? Uh, let's not cut any corners and act like it's not some racial implicit bias there. Uh, he slows down and the next well the area is, of course, where this infamous stop happened at MVP. Right. Now, Officer Crocker, who has not been fired yet, let me make this very clear. There were two officers involved. Wow. Um, Officer Crocker, who has yet to be fired, initiated the stop. That's he was the one who initiated all of this. And the first thing he puts over the radio is a felony eluding stop, meaning that this man was eluding the police. He later writes in his report, oh, yeah, by the way, he was going below the speed limit. So, so how does he call in a felony eluding right. and then later on writing your report that he was going below the speed limit? It's because of that call right. that caused everything to really start to erupt the way it did. Right. Because I was going to say, could it have been by him saying that in his um in his call, it kind of like put the other people listening on the alert. So if something should happen, they can say, well, he did call in that this was going to be, you know, could potentially be a hostile situation. So if he had to shoot or yeah. something took place other than you are so correct. Um you should be very mindful what you call in as a cop, mm-hmm. right? And if you have the proper training, you should know that. Right. You should never say uh, this is a felony eluding uh, stop when you know the man was going slow. And then you later on admit that eight, uh, 80% of minorities that come through there that they have stopped in the past often slow down and go to well-lit areas. So this is not an uncommon practice. Mm-hmm. The cops knew that this is what most minorities do when they're, when they flash in. And, and I think not even just minorities. I mean, I have some white friends that reach out to me and say, in Windsor, when I come through there, the cops stop me. Yeah, I pull off to a well lit area. Yeah, and, and, um, and so, yeah, so he calls in. So once, once they pull over to the BP and then, now you have Officer Gutierrez. Uh, uh, I, I, everyone pronounces his name a little differently, mm-hmm. but this is the other officer involved. Um, they instantly get out their car and they draw their guns. Right. That's a red mm-hmm. flag right there, right? So I stopped somebody for tinted windows and a license plates, and now I have a gun drawn on me. Right, but could it have been because of the call that he made initially? And that has been our argument with why Officer Crocker should be off uh, the force. That's right. not because had he not initiated that type of call, this probably wouldn't have started. And they tried to say, well, Officer Crocker, he didn't use the taunting language like the other officer did. You know, there were things said, well, and when the young man said, I'm scared to get out of the car, he said, you should be. That right. was not Officer Crocker. Okay, so that was a whole different officer. That, that was, it was two of them. That was the one they fired. Oh, see? Uh, yeah. Okay, see, I thought it was one in the same. The it, was two, yeah, it was two. It was two the one that said it. Yeah, so they, and, um, no, so Officer Crocker just stood by idly. Uh, but Desmond Tutu said it the best. If you are silent during times of injustice, you've chosen the side of the oppressor. So if you sit yep. here during times of injustice, you're you're oppressing the situation then, just right. like the other person. And then especially since you're the one that initiated that bad call. Correct. 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 Oh yeah. Correct. Okay. We Correct. have Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so so then, you know, the young man instantly puts his hands out mm-hmm. the window. He's like, what are you stopping me for? They're not telling him what he's stopping him for. They're saying, get out the car. And, but they're yelling conflict and statements. 
One is saying, put your hands out the window. The other one is saying, get out your car. Well, how can I get out my car if you're telling me to have my hands out the window? Like, hey, open the door. I was open the door. <laughs> so at this yeah. point, he goes on to say, well, I'm scared to get out of the car. You have two guns drawn on me. Right. You're screaming and yelling. You're both giving me conflicting command, uh, instructions or commands. And then when, you, when I start saying that I'm scared to get out of the car, what am I being stopped for? The other officer then says, um, Officer Gutierrez says, oh, well, uh, you should be. And you getting ready to ride the lightning, son. Right. See, and that and, and that right there to me all sound like the initial call. It sound like they kind of conspired with the setup. Like that kind of go with the whole thing. Like, okay. I, I don't know. It's like what I'm trying to say. It just seemed like a big setup. That's all yeah. I can say. It just seemed like I don't a know if it was setup. a setup. I don't know if it was necessarily a setup. Based or, on his or is call. it a common practice right. coming down? Is it a common practice where there's no accountability right. in the town of Windsor? And so, therefore, this is what they do. This, yep. And they have always gotten away with mm-hmm. it. And let's keep in mind, this happened December 5th. We knew nothing about it. I think it was to, it went uh, viral around April the 9th yeah. or that Friday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep so. Okay. I understand that. But after looking at the video, could it possibly possibly be that Crocker just called in the wrong um, call when he was saying felony alluding? Because the guy did um, proceed for a mile and a half, correct? No, uh, no. So he, he proceeded, I think, less less than a mile and a half. Uh, no, you can't say he called in the wrong call because a felony eluding is someone speeding up, right, right, and putting them through a high speed chase. Exactly. Uh, if someone is slowing down, he's he's already admitted that Officer Crocker was never going above the speed limit. He was never going above thirty five miles per hour. Right. Correct. He then later admits that he slowed down below the thirty five miles per hour. Right. So how can you say that's the wrong call? Right. At this point, you're just calling in whatever you want to call in, you know, and and that's that's questionable. It goes back to your training, right. right? It goes back to is this a common practice where the police in Windsor do what they want to do? Like I said, a setup. And, like a setup. and, and they do what they want to do, and then it just goes and mm-hmm. it's brushed underneath the rug. Right. I believe that and I understand that, but I'm just trying to look at it from another side as well. Um but looking at the video again, Crocker, the way he handled himself as if he was a rookie. Right. So let me, um, I, I'm so glad someone asked that question. Let me ask you a question and let me answer it this way. Um, if your loved one had to go into a heart surgery and the heart surgeon just got out of medical school, when they come out of the surgery room and they come back and say, I'm sorry, I just got out of medical school, but you're, I lost your loved one. Is that an excuse? Not at no all. So why do we give, why do we hold the cops to a different standard, right? If you felt like you were not well-trained or well-equipped, then you shouldn't go out in the field, right? right? Because the, mm-hmm. the brain surgeon, the heart surgeon doesn't get another chance, right? No, the lawyer don't. doesn't get another chance, right? When he goes in that courtroom, he has to mm-hmm. give it his all. Um, those prosecutors that prosecuted Derek Chauvin, they had one chance. They had one shot. Right. That's it. That's exactly. They couldn't come back out to the world and say, well, we just started <laughs> we just and we just got out of law school. And so, uh, can and so again? can we do it all over again, y'all? And y'all right. bear with us? No, no, no. Cause there's a right. such thing as double jeopardy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's double jeopardy in the legal system. There's malpractice lawsuits mm-hmm. on the medical side, but with cops, is, well, they were just trained. 
And I and I just I can't accept that. No, I, can't I don't think it's that acceptable either. That's not accepted because if you feel like you're not well trained, if I'm not well versed in something, I read, I write, I'll send someone else. Right? right. I'm not gonna go out here and, and talk about science and the brain and the heart when I know nothing about it. Right? right. I'm gonna find somebody else and say, "Bring them on the podcast and let's talk about that that way." You know? Because <laughs> so, I can't don't tell ask you about me no questions. So I just think that's unacceptable. Brandon, I definitely understand you, but again, um, looking at looking back at the video, um, I, I felt. Again, I felt as though that um, Crocker, the way that he handled it, it was it, it showed a lack of experience. So that's where the other one who was like belligerent, I felt as though he's a more veteran. He should have handled it a little better and then, than the way that he did it. Because and going back to listen to what you were saying, yes, they were giving him different commands at different times. So he he didn't know which way to move. Right. Right. But I felt as though if Gutierrez or whatever his name is, um, he should have taken over and really showed some leadership to the younger one and let him know, you know, how to handle that. Well, pretty much he did, didn't he? He just showed him the wrong way. The he, showed, he showed him the wrong way. He showed him the Wednesday <laughs> way. You're right about that. And here's the thing. Officer Crocker was on a patrol duty by himself. So again, it's like, how do you keep saying, well, the individual is, uh, not experienced? Well, they sent him out on patrol duty by himself. Right. They right. were not in the That's same right. car together. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was, so therefore the police chief, and we're going to get to him in a second, as a leader, evidently he felt comfortable enough that somebody he, signed off on him, that he can, mm -hmm. that he can come, that he can, um, you know, come out right. himself and patrol the streets of Windsor. Correct. That includes anything. That includes mm -hmm. that, okay, if I stop someone and someone pulls a gun out of me, mm -hmm. if I go into a domestic situation, I think this goes back to the leadership of the chief, right? right. If right. someone signed off on Officer Crocker and they're properly monitoring him and they're making sure that he is, you know, staying within the standards of police and code standards of Windsor, then you can't use that as an excuse of, well, he was just trained. Right. Because again, I think it's this common thing of we give police officers this 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 thing of well they just got in the field but nobody else gets that chance right. gets that second chance. And, and this is my issue too if he was the, if the first officer is the one that made the call right why did he stand back and not say anything else and let the other officer come up so even if he was a rookie then Maybe he should have called in for backup initially instead of making a call. I called in for backup and said, hey, um, I'm not sure what to do. Right. This guy, you know, he has tenant windows. Uh, I stopped him, but he's still going. No, he's not speeding, but he's still going. Right, right, right. You know, and can he sits someone back, come help me stop him? Right. And when all this is occurring, he sits back with a little smirk on his face. Let's like, look closely at the video. Uh, <laughs> Officer Crocker is sitting back with a just, just a little smirk on his face and mm -hmm. just really idly just sitting there. And, oh. you know, he kind of he jumps in every now and then with different instructions. Like he's proud of the other guy and what he's saying. He's like he's like, yeah, yeah, he's, saying, yeah, you know, he's just right. sitting there, you know. And, and my thing is, you just sitting there. See, remember, the other three cops that are being charged in the George Floyd murder is because they did exactly what Officer Crocker did. Yeah. Now, the Minneapolis, now the prosecutors in, uh, in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the police chief in uh, Minneapolis have said, no, that's wrong. You don't. And remember, those three cops mm -hmm. were just got out in the force as well. Mm -hmm. But guess what? They've been charged uh, yeah. against with George Floyd's death as well. So again, that's right. you, you have these different practices all over America. Right. So in Minneapolis, Minnesota, we're going to hold those three cops accountable. Mm -hmm. But in Windsor, Virginia, we're not going to hold Officer Crocker accountable. And so we got there has to be some type, some type of common practice there. Right. And that's, and that's true. 
So why do you think one officer, because you did say one officer was fired. Correct. And the other one wasn't. Well, the police chief so, made it clear, clear that the only reason he fired the other uh, officer, Gutierrez, uh, uh, because the tape went viral. This yeah. is what the police chief came out wow. of the national press conference and said. Not because he of what wrong. they did to this young black he man by uniform. Mm-hmm. It was because the tape went viral. Remember, um, in December, they opened up an investigation. They concluded the investigation at the end of January. He quote unquote disciplined both officers, but they both stayed in their jobs. And they had to let one go. And he let one go the Sunday after the uh, tape went viral. He made it clear that's the only reason he So he only did pretty much to pretty much put a band-aid over a, a, a deep cut. Right. So it's, he's like, okay, since it went viral and everyone's seen it, I have to let you go. And that's why no one that saw point, it, he wouldn't have let him go. That's why at that point is we've lost confidence in the leadership of the police. Right. And anybody right. else is going to But both that. of them had on body cameras, right? They both had body camera for the joint. Yeah. And body cameras, do they... Do, did they have video on as well? Yeah, so, the, so the, the, the great thing about it is this was uh, videoed from almost three different angles um, mm-hmm. because uh, Lieutenant Nazario uh, instantly pressed play on his cell phone and then both officers had body camera footage as well. So uh, it was it was, uh, it was three different angles in which it occurred on. And then keep in mind, um, um, Officer uh, Crocker, uh, Daniel Crocker, he participated in the physical detainment of of Quran. So after they pepper, uh, you know, sprayed, uh, pe- pepper sprayed him uh, um, with whatever they were using, um, and the young man is basically, you know, blinded at the moment. They didn't get him out the car and okay, knock him on his knees. Hold on, hold on. Sorry to interrupt, but go back to the pepper spray part. Mm-hmm. Why? Go to the beginning of that part. Why did they pepper spray? So they went from the guns to as they started going, when the young man went to get out of the car because they were given conflicting, con- conflicting commands. And, um, he could, and he continued to say, you know, what am I being, what am I being stopped mm-hmm. for? You need to get out of the car. You need to get out of the car. He says, I'm scared to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. Then that's when they get closer to the car and they try to like open up the door. And he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I don't know what's going on. You got one moment you got guns drawn out. One moment you tell me to get out the car. Next moment right. you tell me to keep my car. It's just so many different things. So he's scared, and then you're also telling me you should be scared, and you and you get ready to ride the lightning, son, right? And so it's one of those things. So that's when it escalated to the pepper spray, in which Officer Gutierrez, uh, um pepper spray. That's the second officer. That's the right. second officer. Pepper so he spray. did everything. He did that well. No, because this is what a lot of people don't um uh, remember, don't often see or know. All of a sudden, once they get uh, Lieutenant Nazario out of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and they both both officers have participated in the physical detainment of him. Why do you mm-hmm. you blinded this man? Why do you need to physically get him on the ground as if he's fighting you all? And they handcuffed him. Well, then Officer Crocker takes it upon himself to illegally get in this man's car and look for the, a gun. He finds a gun after Nazario tells him, "Yeah, I have a gun. I'm in the army, right?" Right. He runs the serial number on him. Why would he runs the serial number on a black He's doing all of that. Gun. He runs the see. This is what a lot of people know. This is Officer Crocker that's still on the force. Mm. Runs the serial number on the gun. And then, once he realizes that the gun isn't stolen, it's legit, he puts it back in the car. So, Why did he go in that man's car and in the first place? That had nothing to do right. with the traffic stuff. So, he is in the Army and he's fully uniformed? Did fully he have uniformed. Uniform? Had his uniform. And so he, he lets it be known he's, you know, I'm coming back from duty. Um, I'm, I'm in the military. And they're like... I'm a veteran too, you know. It was almost, I won't say they said it, but it was almost like, so what, you know? It, it just seemed like it's just a whole lot with this story. It's like it's a whole lot, and then it's like a, a lot of stuff not really making sense. Right. Because it's like you start someone, you stop them based on a tent, 
then you go on to a whole lot of other stuff that had nothing guns. to do with the tent. It sounds like it was pretty much cooperating. Try, he was trying to. He was trying to, he but he was getting to. so confused. So confused. That it, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's kind of messed up. But now, how true is it that the police chief was actually called to the scene? My understanding was the police chief was called to the scene. And um, once the police chief got there, that's what things get a little murky at. And we have mm-hmm. not got some clarity on what the police chief did. My understanding of reading it was at this point, I guess, I don't know if the police chief was trying to give the two officers guidance mm-hmm. on what's the next steps to take with this. But my understanding is the police chief was called to the scene. So it go- and then it just takes us back to. Officer Crocker and the police chief still being on the force, right? The police right. chief's called to the scene. Now, as a police chief, how often is police chief called to a scene of a, a basic traffic stop? That's supposed right. to be. That's supposed to be a basic traffic stop. So clearly, the two officers know they've done something that's been out of the ordinary right. to the point they need to call the chief to come down here. And the chief does arrive, in my understanding. And then things are a little murky with what happens when the chief is on the scene. Yes, but my understanding is the chief did arrive. I won't say I definitively know that, but it has been my understanding that the chief arrived on the scene. Now, is there any chance that um, the officer, the um, what's his name, the lieutenant, uh, uh, Lieutenant Nazario, Karan Nazario, is there any chance that within all of this, everything taking place, that he could have possibly had did something, you know, wrong that could have caused it? I, I don't, you know, so. yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, they tried to, they, they tried to say, oh, uh, Lieutenant Nazario could have done this or could have done this differently. But the thing is, he's a black man right. in a small white town. Yeah. And this is what I need all my white counterparts, my brothers and my sisters, the allies out here that are white, that I, I have so many white friends that I love dearly, right? But I need them to understand as a, until you walk a day in a black man's yeah. shoes. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that a cop coming to, to a black man's car mm-hmm. in this type of environment we're in now, mm-hmm. uh, where, let's keep in mind, uh, uh, first of all, Lieutenant Nazario has some kinship to Eric Garner's family. Remember Eric Garner in New York? Oh, uh, wow. Who died outside of the, because uh, Lieutenant yeah. Nazario is from New York, died outside of the uh, Quickie Mark mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. some cigarettes. Correct. Right? So we've been killed for less, right? Right. We've been killed because of cigarettes. We've been killed over twenty dollar bill. Right. We've been killed over what's uh, Trayvon Martin when, when he was with cops, but over Skittles and a drink, just in going to. So we've been killed for so much less. So it's like I, when I hear that, and I pre and I appreciate somebody saying, "Well, could he done something?" He's a black man in a time like this. No, I'm scared. I'm right. scared. I mean, even the other night after me out here fighting social justice and everything, I was in Richmond the other night and I left from the Richmond area late and I'm driving down 460 like this, like, you know, right. because it's like, right. I'm still a black man. I don't care how much activism I'm got. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we can, I think any activist can say, whether you're Reverend Al Sharpton, mm-hmm. whether you're Tamika Mallory, whether you're Brandon Randleman, whether you're Kim Wimbush, whomever you are, we are still black. Right. That's right. We That's know true. that no matter That's how true. much fame, no matter how much fortune, no matter how many names you got, who knows us, we still black. And our experiences are going to be different across the board. But lately, they've been a whole lot different with uh, right. when it comes out of cops. Right. Now, do you think that they really knew that he was black coming down? In the More. tenant windows at night in Windsor. Cause that's another, that's kind of like another, um, 
thing to it. Maybe they stereotype, right? Right, and so I, I think you know it could be right. It could be so a, they went based on the car. It could be a stereotype. I can't say that they uh, they didn't know. Of course, I don't think they knew, and I don't. I can't say this, right? I can't speak on their behalf saying whether or not they knew he was black or not because the windows were tinted, so I don't know if you can see it, but. We know that most African Americans, as I say to start, we got tinted windows, we have the larger SUVs, mm-hmm. we have rims, or we have the low sports cars. In my case, I got a low sports car. Somebody yeah. else may have an SUV, we mm-hmm. have the Escalades, the Yukons, the Suburbans. That's our thing, right? And people have been policing long enough. If you police long enough, you know that's the thing that's coming through there. So that's why now we're getting ready to jump into whether there is a racial implicit bias or down Route 460. Very from, much so. From yeah. Windsor all the way up to Petersburg right. when it comes down to stops. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I didn't have plenty of tickets going up now. Now, my, my issue is, you know, um, a lot of the things that do happen, yes, we, have, we do have the fortunate thing now of um, body cams. But that, like, what is it going to take for them to stop? It's like, to me, it's like, you know, they are, they hop out the car and they have their body cams on. I don't know whether they forget or they feel as though that nothing is going to happen to them. What is it going to take? Right. And, and you know, and that's true because what you saying, both of them had a body cam, then the other cop recorded on their phone and they still said what they said. You know, I just, I sat in a meeting yesterday with the mayor, uh, the mayor and the town manager of Windsor. And I walked out of that meeting after two hours and I said, do they really get it? I think for a lot of them, it just goes over their head. It's like, or they, they don't care. That's, and you know, I, I talked to a friend last night about that and I, and I asked that same thing and my friend mm-hmm. said, oh, Brandon, do they really care? Right. And how do they, do they really care? And, 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 um, and when I say that, and I mean those in leadership, mm-hmm. those in the police, do they really care enough about this situation are African Americans. It, it really leads right. me to wonder that. Um, I'm not saying they do or don't, but it mm-hmm. really leads me to question that because you're right. It's like they have, they know the video right. cameras on, and they still do this. It's almost like this superiority there, right? right? Like, oh, I, I can do this. I, I can do this because I can get away with it, right? It's a lot of these small town, uh, small town uh, cops. And, and here's the thing: we know that clearly there is some situations going on, and um, and ones that have got away with it. Let me explain this to you. They they released a statement saying that after this incident in January, the police chief says. We implemented new policies and procedures, and we disciplined the two officers. We immediately requested that they provide to us these new policies they implemented. We have yet to receive them. When we spoke with the town manager and the mayor on yesterday, the town manager and the mayor said they still haven't received the new policies and procedures. Because so they haven't came up with them the yet. Police chief, so that lets us know the police chief it. just said anything because the national media was down his throat. Because if the town manager hasn't received them, the NAACP hasn't received them, and the mayor hasn't received them, they that lets us know the police chief just said anything. And he never planned on he never planned on really implementing policies and changes. If he knew in January there was a situation after this stop, he's everything he's presenting now that he's trying to change. Why didn't he bring that up in January? So the police chief is trying to protect the officer. I, I, that is my opinion. And you know, but he, small he town, tried to make it seem him. like he fired the other officer mm-hmm. as as a, you know, 
I guess a coping mechanism for us African Americans. Right. So I, yeah. I found one, but I didn't find the other one. But it sounds like the one that he didn't find did the most damage. Uh, to me, when it came down to the initiation of it. Now, right. when it came down to the pepper spray and the, the taunting language, like uh, that was Officer Gutierrez. Uh, Gu- 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 yeah, that was him. Um, but when it comes to, when it um, came down to Officer Crocker, uh, I just don't understand why he's not going. I've explained to you all he's initiated, right? I've explained to you Officer mm-hmm. Crocker went in this man's car. And ran a serial on his gun. Exactly. Officer Crocker participated in a physical detainment. So Officer Crocker did his part that night. He should be gone as well. So y'all don't think the police chief should be gone? Oh, the police chief. We yeah. called for the resignation. Let me be clear. Yesterday, when we met with the mayor and the town manager, mm-hmm. the police chief decided to show up to this meeting. I immediately looked at the police chief in his eyes and said, um, we have called for your resignation. I don't know if oh, you wow. want to tender your resignation today, but we are asking that you please excuse yourself from this meeting. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Uh, they then they then stepped out, had a brief uh, conversation, and then the mayor and the town manager came back in and said they still supported the police chief, but um, for the sake of this meeting, we were asking to leave, and he left our meeting. Because we have nothing to say to him. We want to speak to his superiors. That's why. Right, yes. right. That's actually crazy, though. But you, you, when you sit back and look at the whole puzzle, the police chief is leading by example. Like mm-hmm. what, who, and what he stands for. He's he's allowing his officers to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, is there what can we do besides asking him to? Is there a way or a so step that we can? So yeah, in, in the coming days and hours, I think I said this yesterday in yesterday's press conference or someone we spoke to. In the coming hours, we are going to do a massive public pressure campaign so okay. that the town can understand that not only is the town the ones who are looking, the Commonwealth of Virginia is looking, and the nation is looking, and we as African Americans are not going to stand by quietly because what happens to the next Quran going down Route Four Sixty? Right, that's what right. When it's your son or daughter or your niece or your nephew and they get stopped and this time they get shot and clearly um they're just they need to rein in how they handle situations Mm -hmm. and they need to understand how to de-escalate something instead of automatically escalating something remember the police chief said that with a little bit more training officer crocker would be great for the community that's what the police chief Mm -hmm. police chief also said that uh they deserve that uh lieutenant nazario deserves no apology from his wow, his, he, he, this is the police chief said this women. on national TV in a live press conference. <laughs> what? Police ignorance, chief, uh, police ignorance. Chief Riddle okay. at Windsor, Virginia. Women. This is the man that's still um, over the department that uh, do a town that many African Americans go through when they're headed up to Richmond. This man said Lieutenant Nazario deserves no apology. He said that with a little bit more training, Officer Crocker would be great for the community. And he said, I only fired the other officer because the video went viral. This is the police chief. And he said that. On national TV. National TV. And, but yet the mayor and the city manager so still, still said that they stand by him. But yes. maybe their jobs need to be looked into as well. Right. Correct. So the because mayor. their jobs need to be vacant too. Correct. So, and the town manager answer, asks answers to the town council and the mayor. And so the town council and the town council and the mayor could. Um, ask for the resignation of the town manager. They could. Uh, and people have come to me. We're trying to give the town manager the benefit of the doubt. We're hoping that in the coming days he'll do the right thing and ask the police chief to step down. After meeting with the town manager yesterday, he looked at me with a blank look half of the meeting. So, therefore, I don't know if he's going to do it. Like he won't really listen? Or like, um, I, like it just went over their head. So, completely. is the governor involved? 
Yes. Yeah, so with that said, it's like so many different little pieces. So the governor signed an executive order to have the state police come in and investigate the entire matter. So everything we just kind of discussed, right, mm-hmm. from start to finish. Um, Congressman Bobby Scott wrote a letter to the Department of Justice asking that on the federal level to make sure that there was no constitutional rights violated on the federal level, asking the Department of Justice, which is Joe Biden's White House Department of Justice, mm-hmm. to come in and look at the matter. And mm-hmm. we also found out that the FBI is looking into the matter as well. Okay. Um, they should. Yeah. And so the next step is we want to make sure that on the state level, if these officers committed any criminal actions, right, that once once the evidence is brought forth to them, we do not trust the local prosecutor to prosecute right. cops that she deals with. That's so we right. want to put it in the hands of the state attorney attorney general, right. which is Mark Hammond. That's um, right. Because that's what they did in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, they took it out of the hands of the local prosecutor in, Mini- in, uh, in, Mini- in Minneapolis, uh, in Hennepin County, mm-hmm. and they put it in the hands of the black attorney general, Keith Ellison. Right. Ellison. So that's what we're asking for as a right. next step. So yes, the governor has came in. Here's the thing. I, again, we're going to try to give the benefit of doubt to the state, to the state police with respect to them. Um, and we hope that they are impartial to their investigation. But we also have to accept the fact that the state police, um, patrol the town of Windsor with the town police. Yeah. And I'm not, it is in my opinion, I don't believe no police should be policing each other. I just, I think right. the state police is from Richmond, right. but I, it's a blue wall. It's yeah. a blue wall. I don't understand why the state police is investigating another, um, uh, yeah, but, but um, so so we're that's why we want the attorney general's office. Yeah. We want to make sure that the attorney general uh, mm-hmm. out of Richmond has a hand in this mm-hmm. as well, to, whether it's in conjunction um, mm-hmm. with the state police um, or in whether he takes over, they take over the case altogether. Oh yeah. So how is um, Lieutenant um, Nazario doing? So I, I speak with uh, his attorneys on a. a his team of attorneys on a daily basis. I spoke with the attorney today. Um, I often ask how he's doing. He, I, and my understanding is, he, you know, he's holding up. He, he woke up one morning and was in the national, if not international spotlight. And so he, I, I think he's doing as best as he can with it. Uh, I think some of his clothes, I did not know Lieutenant uh, Nazario uh, personally, but through his attorneys, everything we're doing on our end, we speak through his, we speak to his attorneys. His attorneys run everything through him and they say, you're doing a good job. So every day we try to get some type of statement from his attorney, an email, a text message, or call between me and his lead attorney, and they often say, keep up the good work. Y'all keep going. Y'all keep doing good. Mm-hmm. I've ran it past Nazario, and he's appreciative of everything. So I think he's oh, appreciative good. of all the support he's got around the world. Uh, I think I read somewhere where originally they thought when it first came out, they were going to get a lot of trolls, there's going to be a lot of this and that, mm-hmm. but he's really received a lot of support from around the world. Oh, and, and that's excellent. Now, as far as um, like with Windsor, I do agree that they need to have other um, branches come in because of the simple fact they are Windsor small for those who don't know. Windsor is really small. So, of course, pretty much everyone that works for the the county or that little area, they pretty much all probably already know each other or their friends, relatives or whatever. So, of course, it's to be expected that they want to look out for each Correct. other. Correct. And, and another thing is, uh, Mark, uh, attorney, our, our state attorney general, Mark Heron, has, and through his civil rights office, mm-hmm. has opened up a, what they call a patterns and practice uh, investigation. And they're looking back 10 years of Windsor Records of mm-hmm. whether or not there has been this racial implicit bias mm-hmm. when it came down to their stops, their mm-hmm. traffic violations, 
um, uh, uh, over the last 10 years. And they're okay. looking into that to see if there's this racial, if there's this data showing that there's this right. racial implicit bias. Okay. I think he would find it. Yes. Yeah, oh, but no, no, the police chief said, the police chief said he welcomed the investigation because they mm. won't find nothing in his department. Now you tell me what leader would say they ran a company for 10 years and would be no mistakes. That's what he said on national mm. TV. I'm, I'm just a messenger. Mm. That's all I Okay. That's all right. okay. That police chief is something. Yeah, he's the 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 police chief is making a fool out of out of himself, which is actually good because it's really right. yeah. putting light on, shining light on the situation even more, yeah. letting you know that you know it is some issues there. Because, like you said, what CEO wouldn't have issues? But my my question is, being that um, he was stopped in December and it came to light in. Why wasn't in in April? Why wasn't what was the purpose of a him filing a was a million dollar suit? Right. So so he my understanding is when it when it initiated, he reached out to whoever he knows and they directed him to an attorney. Um, if you know anything about these lawsuits, they take time. Yeah. So you reach out to your attorney and your attorney begins all the investigative work. You can't speak on something until you get all of it patched together. Remember, okay. it was not Lieutenant Desario and his attorneys that put put the information out. I want to give credit to uh, uh, the news reporter from Virginia Pilot, uh, uh, Jane Harper, who brought all this to light. What occurred was she she covers the courts in Virginia, oh, okay. and she was just in Alawai County, and she said she was work. I think working on one thing, and then that kind of fell through. So she says, "Well, let me go look at the federal lawsuits." Federal lawsuits, and she comes across this case. It says, "Hmm, this is interesting." So mm-hmm. she wrote the story, and it broke on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, and I believe it was Channel Thirteen that managed to get the video. So um, they filed the lawsuit that week because mm-hmm. it takes months to it takes months to uh, to uh, have the lawsuit, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to develop the investigate investigation and then file the lawsuit. So that's why they started working on it in December, but those things do often take uh, some time. Take some time. Mm. Oh. Yeah. So that's why it all just came to light. But see that the question becomes is why didn't Windsor bring it? Windsor knew that he had an attorney. Windsor knew that this was a serious, uh, there, there was some serious impropriety there. Right. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they bring it to the public spotlight that we had this incident? They never brought they, the chief of police, the town manager never did anything. They really thought it was going to be swept under the rug and they probably thought that, okay, the lawsuit would be filed and nobody would find the lawsuit trapped in all the other paperwork of all the other federal right, because lawsuits. Because it wasn't important to them. Right. It they was hoping it was going to go away. That's it. So they can continue to do it to the next it's one right. and the next one and the next one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Have you ever been stopped in Windsor before? You know what I'm trying to think. I haven't been stopped the Wednesday. I think I have been stopped going up Route 460. I told someone the other day, I am blessed that I have not experienced the Route 460 racial implicit bias or uh, racism. They they call it a speed trap. I call it a race trap, right? right. Uh, I think uh, Virginia Pilot just did a good piece on that. It's not a speed trap. It's a race trap for many African Americans right. uh, where we know we're targeted. And here's the thing. I heard someone say the other day, well we're, well, we're all stopped on 460. You're right. We are all stopped on 460, but this is where the path split. When a black person stopped and a white person stopped, we get treated differently. We do. Right. We that's right. That's the right. moment that cop comes up to the window, that's where it, we split down different paths. So right. yes, the white man and the black man may both get stopped. Mm-hmm. But when you look, when you start looking at data, it is starting to starting to show, and people are starting to see that African Americans are getting more traffic citations mm-hmm. when they get stopped, uh, and treatment is a whole lot different. 
But you hear a lot of people say, I ain't taking 460. Yeah, I hate I 460. Mm-hmm. So many people say they hate I 460 because right. of that. Because right. Of that. And I um I told somebody before, think about this. And this is why we want the Department of Justice to look at this. This is a road that almost connects two of the largest HBCUs in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, if I live in the 757 as I did and I went up to Virginia State, I had to take 460 to get to the 804. If mm-hmm. I live in the 804 and decide to come to Norfolk State, I got to take 460 to come right. to Norfolk mm-hmm. So you have a road that's constantly traveled by young African Americans, their family members, right. their aunties, their yeah. uncles, and, and they have been racially targeted for decades. I have talked back to Virginia State alumni from 30 years ago that has said, when I was traveling down 460, my dad gave me that talk. Be careful, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, uh, don't 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 travel down there if you travel if you have to travel down there. And she said she got so many tickets 30 years ago. Her insurance went up. Her dad said, and the, uh, her dad said, let me give you one of those little uh, radars to put in your car. And so, I mean, so this has been going on for decades, right? For decades uh, with black people being targeted on that highway, and that is why our hope is that we may can get the Department of Justice to come in and mm-hmm. look at that entire highway and see if that if they racially racially uh targeting people and i'm yeah. sure they would find if they they probably will find a suitcase full of stuff yeah. um but and listen in looking at the actual video um i remember correct me if i'm wrong i remember someone saying something one of the officers saying something about they was basically telling um nazario basically if you can kind of Wipe everything clean. Don't, you know, if you don't say anything, then everything just go away. Yes. And that, um, to me, that is, uh, again, of my opinion, um, that can come off as intimidating by cops. Because what you're trying to tell me is if I don't get an attorney, if I don't say anything, Mm -hmm. then we push for it. But Mm -hmm. if we find out that, you know, some lawsuits are being, held or something, yeah. then things are going to turn and we're going to change up everything. Right. I mean, that's the way they could come and, off. And that's the way they probably wanted to come off. Right. And that's the way they wanted to come off. And clearly, to your, I think, viewer that just asked that question, it came off to them because that's why mm-hmm. she asked he or she asked that question right. because they can come off that way. Yep. And, and that's how they intended. That's why they didn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, with you staying in Windsor, being from Windsor and going that way, are you scared and then so I don't travel it as much unless I'm going up to Richmond because I don't necessarily stay in Windsor. I try to stay away from 460. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I'm uh, in the Norfolk area, I just go the other route. Mm-hmm. But I do take 460. I will say um, you the only know, thing you should fear, so FDR said, the only thing we should fear is fear itself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I do, I step out on faith. Right. And I believe that I'm doing what's right. So as long as I have God on my side, uh, I'm cautious. Yeah. And I understand that we're going up against an old machine. And That's when you're right. going up against an old machine and they feel like they're being taken down, I understand that you like have that. to be very cautious. Mm-hmm. But I also understand I got God on my side. That's right. So, <laughs> and I take him everywhere I go. And uh, right. no man uh, can stop God, you know, God's uh, soldiers from doing what they need to do. So. That's that's absolutely you absolutely you said a mouthful there, um, but this is one of my other um, issues when the officers are fired, um, a lot of time they just go from one department to the yes. next. Yes, yes, yes. That's the same. Um, officer, we're, we're looking into that. Uh, uh, officer uh, Gutierrez, uh, and and again, you all, I may be pronouncing this name wrong, uh, so please excuse me from that for that. Uh, I, so I think I'm well versed on everything else. So y'all don't y'all don't yeah. haunt me for pronouncing his name wrong. But um, um, yes, he has been. Uh, he was moved around. I think believe Smithfield. Town Police, Alawite County Sheriff's Department, and Windsor Police. 
Um, I believe there was a law passed this past General Assembly that are either they're working on it, establishing a registry that right. uh, that now when they leave, there's the statewide registry that their information will go mm-hmm. into that shows that okay, okay they've been they've been here. So that is something that the General Assembly underneath Democratic control right now, Virginia is fully blue, y'all. We have southern right. state that just passed marijuana laws underneath the Democrats. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> our work was not in vain. And I, I I feel good knowing I campaigned for a lot of those Democrats and their work was they came through for us, for many of us, okay? So right now Virginia is we have a Democratic uh, governor, we have a Democratic mm-hmm. lieutenant governor, a Democratic attorney general mm-hmm. and the state legislature the both mm-hmm. house of delegates in the state senate is democrat i say all of that because guess what they just passed a lot of criminal justice reform bills guess what going forward as of march 1st police cannot stop us for the tent that's mm-hmm. right the little license plate situations mm-hmm. uh the rooms the loud music the exhaust pipes they there is um so now like i think it's there it, it, there's a period so if it's like a little sticker and it's off by you know t- five or ten days um you know your registration sticker they can't mm-hmm. stop you for that i think it has to be like a 30-day period before they mm-hmm. stop you so the general assembly in richmond realized that this has targeted african-americans you know yeah. the air fresheners hanging in our windows and things yeah. like that so they passed a lot of these um uh, bills that are going forward so yes mm-hmm. Um, I believe to answer that person's question, part of that ominous package of bills for criminal justice reform was the registry, meaning that after an individual gets terminated, there will be a registry that the next people can go into and see what what they really. Right, and you would think that they would already um, head (laughs) Well, it 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 always takes time for actually something. Um, But one of the questions was being the doing what you actually do as a political activists as far as nazario's case did they ask you to come on or was it something that you kind of like slid into how did that work so the local naacp reached out um valerie butler who's the chair uh, i mean the president there she reached out and i started advising her just to get her through this period it was not the first time i had kind of dealt with um something on the national Mm -hmm. side or the statewide media and it was the town of windsor they were not accustomed to this you know the naacp there uh you know she does a lot of work in the community but it's it's a lot of community-based work because they don't really have to deal with these well we know those issues are happening but it's like it's one of those things where the african African african-american community is so accustomed to it in windsor how often do we speak up now on a daily basis we are getting emails and calls saying this occurred um, in in Alabama County. This oh, occurred. Okay, in so now people come over oh, their information. Their before I walked in, and I just looked on my watch. She just messaged me somebody else's situation. So they're coming in constantly saying, "My son dealt with it. Oh wow! My, oh, wow. It. my nieces dealt with it. What can we do?" What can we do to uh, help and get oh, yeah. this police that, chief? That chief's going to end up leaving because they, too they many people are going to come yeah. forward with the, stuff. The mayor and the town manager keep saying, well, we want to make progress. You can't make progress with the same people in there that cause the problem. That's right. right. Get like, them out of there. You cannot it's tell me. Happen. You cannot sit here and look at, you know, six or seven black people um, in there and you stand us in the face saying, I want to make progress. I want to work with you all. And then you say, but I'm not going to fire the police chief. And I'm not going to fire the, the officer Crocker. Now, I've just laid it out, I believe, in layman's terms for everyone mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. why the chief of police and officer Crocker should be gone. Yeah. I believe so. Right. Yeah, and I, I think I that's something y'all can go back out here and articulate and be like, right. look, that police chief needs to go. Right. And But they don't see that. No, they, they see it. They, you got to remember, they know what's wrong. They don't care and they don't want to see it. There's, right. That's the difference right there. Right, right, right. That's right. the difference. That's that's a big difference, but like you said, just keep putting the heat on the 
um, on the on the on the town mm-hmm. to to actually get rid, of him. to get rid of him. But do you yeah. think it would have been different had it been um, African Americans in uniform? So and it, that would have happened too. If so. it would have been an African American cop, cop, and, right? And, well, you know what someone told me the other day. Um, someone said, uh, I believe Officer Gutierrez is a minority. They said it's funny how the minority. It was a minority and a young white guy, and I and I can't you know I can't speak on this, but they said it's funny how. Both cops were in the wrong, but the the minority cop was gone first. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like Hispanic and some. Yes, sort he of, is. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that is quite interesting, right? That, that is. Um, so yes, it has been brought to. I, I, well, I asked the mayor. I looked at the mayor's face and looked at the town manager's face yesterday, and I said, um, "What if it was your son or daughter? What if it was a white person in military uniform?" Um, in which there were black officers with guns drawn. How would you feel? They didn't give me answers again. They just looked at me like a deer. They, they couldn't give me answer. answers. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't give me answers. They can't even um, imagine it. That's right, right. That's they can't imagine it because they've never been through it, right? right. They've never been through it, and then it makes you wonder, do they have even friends that have been through it? Um, because sometimes mm-hmm. at one point in the meeting yesterday, it was really just one of those things where I really felt like they were look just... And I've dealt with a lot of different people, and, and I've been blessed to have a lot of opportunities to go into various meetings, but I just found it so interesting coming out of that meeting yesterday. I, you know, I said I, at the opening remarks at the press conference after we left out the meeting, I said, I'm, I think I told somebody it was an interesting meeting. And I was a little saddened because the day before we all uh, celebrated, not uh, the iniquities of what happened to Derek Chauvin. We celebrated because we thought we received some a little bit of justice, right? Because right. we, we uh, whatever. I ain't rejoicing for nobody going to jail or whatever, but I am celebrating that we've received some justice. Here's the thing: I told him this. I said, Attorney General of Minnesota Keith Ellison said it the best. He says, "I cannot say today that this was justice, but right. I can say that we moved a little bit closer because of accountability." Exactly. That's what I said at the start of the press conference yesterday. Mm-hmm. I said, so we went into this meeting today asking for accountability and we got nothing. Mm-hmm. None of them took accountability for their actions. Mm-hmm. None of them took accountability for their actions. Instead, mm-hmm. they gave us butts and ands and different excuses on why it occurred. All we want was accountability. That's yeah, all we asked for. Take that. But, you know, I just want to say this as well. I haven't um, experienced this issue in Windsor. But I experienced it here in Suffolk. When I first got my car, I remember it was New Year's morning. I was leaving church for New Year's Eve. And one of the cops pulled me over and stopped me. She said it was for my tent, which it was within the um, Virginia legal tent guidelines or whatever it was. But she stopped me. And when I put my window down, she actually came to the window. It was her. And then um, I guess she must have called back up because a guy came up. But when I put my window down, she got to the car. She said, oh. And then she started looking in the car like she was looking for someone else. Then she said, is this your car? And I said, yes, it's my car. What's the problem? And then she's like, oh, okay, well, what what do you do? And she, mind you, she's looking in the car. No one was in the car but me. But she wanted to know, is this your car? But she said it was tent when I first put the window down. Then um, she goes, oh, well, it was your tent. But then the other officer walked on the other side, like, just to make sure I really was. And I was like, well, I took it here. What do you do has nothing to do with right. stop. And know? my tent. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think she was expecting. I was thinking that a she female. wasn't expecting a female right. to put the window down. Right. She probably right. thought a guy was going to put and the window down. 
Right. They're because talking, a black man is going to be targeted at a higher, you know, a greater, mm-hmm. a, a link to a higher chances of being targeted than, mm-hmm. than of any other race. Right. Because they actually ran my test and she saw it was registered to me. And then she said, oh, well, just see if you can take care of that tent. And they love. Because I think it. if it was a woman that got stopped in Windsor, I mean, women have certain advantages, like their smile, their, right. their energy and everything mm-hmm. is different. A black woman talking to a white man. In Windsor, it's totally different. Like, yeah. you'll be surprised how attracted they are to us. <laughs> As black yeah. women, seriously. Right, right. Like, some, people really some, do. some black women have been, uh, been talking out there. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. And I have. I've been stopped in Windsor. But, you know, just staying calm yeah. and cooperating with them, it, it takes you a long way. Right, right. And Sometimes. I'm a very nasty person, you know. So I, I I don't like being stopped because the first thing I'm gonna say is what happened before you can even ask me <laughs> on my license registration. I want to know why you even stopping. And that's what Lieutenant well, Nazario was asking. Yeah, yeah. What, what's wrong? Yeah. So where Sorry. so where do we go from here though? Right. So um, yesterday, one of the the, the key thing is first the police chief. Mm-hmm. We have to put pressure on the town of Windsor mm-hmm. by calling the city council members and the mayor and the town manager to fire the police mm-hmm. chief and fire Officer Crocker because we, we can't move forward with them there, right? right. And then from there, um, we have um, first of all, we said <clears throat> we're going to wait to see what the attorney general produces on this. Ten years of looking at records. And um and then we're gonna see what you know what the investigation holds. But the next thing is we told them that we want a citizens review board in Windsor. And what that mm-hmm. is, that's a board that when these type of disputes happen between police and the citizens, mm-hmm. and there's complaints filed, that citizens review the complaints and they have subpoena power that's and they right. recommend what should happen to the officers. Right now you have police, police, and police. You have that's what that's what's going on. And of course. There's this blue wall that's that's protecting them. So mm-hmm. we've asked it of the town manager as well. Also, um, hiring of African American officer as well. But I think a real good place to start at um, from from the town is, of course, firing the police chief and officer right. Crocker, and then that citizens review board as well. Right. Because then, when an incident happens like this in December, it's mm-hmm. not them; it's me, you, and whomever else mm-hmm. that's sitting on that board. Right. With a more impartial uh, mindset, saying let's look at let's look into this case. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah when we go from here, everyone, we'll we'll uh, we'll have some things coming up in the coming days. Uh, I'll have it on my social media ca- uh, platforms: Brandon Randleman on Facebook, um, R A N D L E M A N on Facebook, and then on mm-hmm. Instagram it's B underscore Randleman. R A N D L E M A N. Um, and we're gonna have we're gonna let everyone know that. This is our campaign to push them out because you receive justice mm-hmm. and we receive some accountability when they say those two have done wrong. So that's y'all go to push out. They have to go. They got to go. They have to go. I mean, it's no, because when you come do their next or your loved one comes to their next, you still have the chief that allowed this to happen in December running the show. So that means your loved one can still go through the same thing that exactly. Lieutenant Nazario went through. That's right. So you're not going to mm-hmm. get a change with the same leadership. So yeah. Okay, so Brandon, um, we always ask all of our special guests, what advice do you give? Wait again, a minute. Like, what 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 type of feedback would you give us as far as our podcast concerned? Like, what advice would you give us? Keep doing what you're doing. Um, keep pushing that social justice message. Mm-hmm. That is very important right now. Mm-hmm. The social justice message is very very important right now. Keep bringing on guests like myself and others that can push that message out here. We got to make our voices heard. That's right. 
we gotta make our voice. We cannot sit back quietly and idly. They want us to. That's true. So we have to. That's true. Well, Brandon, we thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining me. us tonight. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yes, because you could have talked about this anywhere yeah. else, but you decided to talk about well, it. Thank you. Again, and and you told and me that's a plus. I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> yes, we actually learned a lot tonight. And like Miss Gogeta and Pint said, we do thank you for coming, Brandon. We want you guys to always tune in to Wait Again Minute here on Facebook at 7 o'clock on Thursdays live, as well as you can see us on YouTube. Um, as of today, you are you can now hear us on Pandora. So you can listen to us on Pandora. Mm-hmm. Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Podcast. <laughs> you also can see us on ebny.tv as well as Blackjack TV. So um, like Brandon said, we're going to take Brandon's um, comments and concerns and we're going to take them and do just what he said. Yes, Until next time, wait again a minute. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.